morning, my name is Saul and my name is Daniel and welcome to the first Aboutism podcast. Um, just before we introduce our first guest, uh, let's say a little about us. Aboutism is a youth-led social action project as a part of the National Citizenship Service in England. We aim to educate and create awareness about autism while primarily focusing our efforts on teenagers and the youth like us. Now, a few disclaimers and then we get the rest. We remind you that we are not medical professionals and this interview is not intended to diagnose or treat anyone with or without autism. The intent of this podcast is to inform and gain an insight into how autistic people live each and every day, as well as the challenges they need to face. If this conversation raises any concerns or suspicions about whether you might have autism, please refer to the NHS website for further questions and to speak to a licensed medical professional. Um, finally, welcome to our first ever guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Saul Levine. I ran the, um, this is a brand new project in 2017, 18 and 19, which was a, uh, a similar NCS project, which started with the goal of uh, informing the general public about autism. We, we made, packaged and sold brownies down a couple of high streets in London and uh, also distributed uh, informational cartoons and uh, engaged people in conversation in order to spread awareness. Oh, we, also, uh, we also donated the proceeds to the National Autistic Society and to MenCap and uh, GIFT. Oh, yeah, you answered my second question, perfect. Um, so now we have an overview about yourself and the incredible things you've done for that. That sounds just amazing. Um, so we have a few questions to help us understand the, um, the life of an autistic person. Yeah, absolutely. So, First question, when did you find out that you had autism? About 12 or 13, I think probably 12. Um, I got diagnosed when I was six. It was painfully obvious, but um, I got diagnosed when I was six, uh, but my parents didn't tell me for a while because they were afraid that I would get labeled and made fun of and whatever. And what they did tell me, they told me to keep it a secret in order that um, people wouldn't find out and, you know, um, so that wasn't great because um, it was like a huge secret that I had to keep. It was like, it was, it's not great. Um, eventually, a, a couple of years later, when I was 15, I told someone and who I trusted. And then they ended up telling a whole group of friends. Um, they, they did it to defend me. Like they were like saying something about me. Like, oh no, but like, it's okay. Cause he's autistic. And I was like, okay, but whatever. Um, then someone came up to me in a lesson, like, hey, you have Asperger's? I'm like, no. And then <laughs> proceeded to have a panic attack. But uh, in hindsight, it was a really good thing because it meant that I felt comfortable telling people now because it was like, now people know. So great. Anyway, I, I, it took a, a while. Really, it was like when I was 16, 17 on NCS that I really came to terms with it. And yeah, I'm, both my brothers have Asperger's as well. And it's, some, it's something I'm very comfortable with. Yeah, um, so uh, I was going to ask, uh, so do you think autism defines who you are? Like, so that's a really interesting question because there are two general camps surrounding this issue. It's, they usually use like psychotherapy terminology for this, so like uh, egocentric or ego asyndric or something like that. You've heard about this? Um, so whether it's like if I, if I said said to someone with depression, do you think that depression defines who you are? No. Does it influence who you are, who you are? Sure. 
right? So people with autism are much more likely to be interested in things and in people. They're like more, much more likely to be introverted. They're much more likely to have obsessive interests. So certain personality types are just much more common. Doesn't that mean that's everything who I am? No, I mean, my familial and friends influences my, you know, my own interests and mental health and whatever, they're, they're all a part of me. It is one factor of a whole. I, okay. I, I think that's a healthy way to view it. Okay, so it's, it's um, yes, it's more like a part of you rather than just you. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's really hard to separate, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's not, it's, it's not like something you can cure. It's not like there's me and then there's like um, stress-induced anxiety that is impinging on me. No, it's like, it's like, I don't know, like, do you, do you, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, very much introverted. <laughs> very much. Right. So is that, would you say that defines you? Is like, what, what do you think, what, what do you think about that? Um, I'd say it's just one of my personality yeah. traits. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say it's the definition of who I am. Right, but it, I'm, I'm still an introvert. Sure, but it impacts other areas of your life, right? Yeah. So it's I, I would compare it to that sort of thing. Okay, okay, thank you. Um, so what misconception about autism annoys you the most? It's a bit of a double-edged sword, but I'll explain what I mean. Education, um, representation in the media. So, I mean, what shows have you watched that features an autistic person? In the Good Doctor. The Good Doctor, anything else? The single episode of um, the one on Netflix, Atypical. That so that, right. Atypical, maybe you've probably watched Big Bang Theory or people think like uh, Sherlock Holmes from Sherlock is autistic as well. Right, so all of these characters have a lot of things in common. Like the worst end is probably like the Big Bang Theory and the Good Doctor because uh, it's, it's one type of autism one type of Asperger's, which is highly asocial, highly gifted. It's, it's, the, it's the myth of the little professor sort of thing, that every person with autism or Asperger's is a absolute genius and possibly as a way to compensate for their genius, they're also socially completely inept. So I take a lot of offense to that sometimes, especially yeah. in shows like atypical or Big Bang Theory where these people's difficulties are used as entertainment. It's and the main personality trait as well in Big Bang Theory of Sheldon is the one that everyone's comparing to be autistic. He's like his whole thing is that he can't go out. He's really awful at talking to people. That's like one of his main things is that he's so socially inept. Yeah. And you gotta ask well why is that? Like atypical is a really I, when I first watched watched it, like the first season, it really made me upset. Like, uh, for a start, none of the characters in that show have any disabilities. Okay. There are autistic actors, many yeah. of them. Bill Murray was, is autistic, um, but they decided that other people would be better for that. I mean, I guess that's a larger question of representation in the media. Yeah. But, um, I guess the, the biggest misconception that annoys me is that um, the concept of the spectrum isn't really understood. Okay. So, I mean, 
you guys are working in autism, right? So maybe you, you can you can tell me what what sort of things have you um, learned about, or what, what do you think pe people think about the spectrum? Um, so what I've experienced from um, learning about, so I was recently diagnosed with ADHD as well, so um, along the neurodivergent line. Um, but from what I've experienced from learning about the, uh, the spectrum, it's uh, it seems like everyone makes it out to be this just whole, just literally just a whole spectrum. And it's a whole different thing. Everyone is different in their own right and no one is fits in the same um, category. Um, so I've learned that's quite diverse and quite different, Daniel. Yeah, like, so I, I didn't have a huge, like, I didn't have a lot of knowledge about autism before I started this. Um, but, you know, I've, uh, during the project, I've, I've been talking to people with autism. Um, we, we've had some experiences from other interviews and it's, yeah, it's, it's not what I expected. Like, I mean, I, I, as I said, I've seen a good doctor and I suppose that subconsciously that would um, influence. influence some of my um, some of my ideas, but it's just yeah, completely different to what I thought. Um, and yeah, there, there are different there are different types of people. They're not all socially awkward or um, yeah. Um, on, on that on that uh, the similar vein of that um, for stereotypes in the media, it seems to be like the overall um, arching misconception that you have um, the most annoyance at. Um, but how would you represent um, the spectrum in the media? I would not make it the entire uh, character type. What is, if you took away Sheldon's social ineptitude, would the Big Bang Theory still survive? Yes. What would the show be? Okay. Like, how many episodes would have to be cut? Like, atypical, I, I enjoyed the later seasons because they started fleshing him out as a as a person someone beyond his disabilities and like i don't know if you've seen the end of season four yet oh yeah i absolutely binge watched that now. but um it's it's brilliant because it shows him overcoming all these things that people didn't never thought he could do and then he he goes and does something that most most people would never dream of i thought i thought that was really great so i i would I would ask for a three-dimensional uh, representation of characters. Just like if you ask, like uh, if you put, I don't know, black people in the media and you make their entire story arc oppression or dealing with uh, discrimination or whatever their identity. People are much more than just these single caricatures of themselves, you know? Okay. Um, so uh, is there anything that you might find frustrating uh, while a neurotypical might not? So, I mean, <laughs> you said you you got ADHD. Do, do, do you have Asperger's as well? Uh, no, just ADHD. Right. So, I mean, the biggest the biggest thing is sensory issues for me. Okay. Um, but I mean, it, it, the Asperger's and autism is is largely two things, right? It's sen the it all sen uh, centers around uh, sensory processing. Okay. So. In a normal conversation, for instance, we are exchanging hundreds of different signals, right? In our vocal, in our in the words we use, and their connotations, whatever the um, our body language, our vocal tone, like, all of these things. You add another person into that, and that's doubled by two. You add more people into that, or you change the situation from something that you're not comfortable with. There's a delay in processing that for autistic people. So. 
one time that um i was at someone's house and uh they had like rashes on their hands and so i said oh how did you how did you get that it's like oh fist fighting and i was like i, I stared at them like oh my god like and it took me for like two seconds and they're like oh, no i'm just kidding it's from washing up it's like i knew that but it took me longer to register that and to then express that like a lot of a lot of these things have to be conscious i have to consciously think about how i express my um my, my facial features my my, my 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 normal thing is just blank right i either stare too much or don't use eye contact like whatever and then other sensory issues would be like bright lights or loud sounds like i can't i can't go clubbing like i it's dangerous for me. Like I went to prom in um, end of year 11, year, end of year 13. Right? I, I couldn't stay in there more for 10, more than 10 minutes without like going into hyperventilating mess. It's not like, like chaos. it's absolute chaos. Yeah. So uh, for the next question, how would you approach educating neurotypical people about autism? Right, so if we were like for this one, we need to go back to the disclaimer that none of us here are education professionals, medical professionals. Right, so I don't know. I have I've read about some really interesting initiatives. So from one in Israel and America, and I'm assuming other countries too, there are specific schools for high functioning autistic people. Okay. So I don't know. Like I grew up being one of the only autistic people I knew. And my mum would take me to these events for um, other people with disabilities, but that wasn't great because I was the only high functioning one there. So it, yeah, they had difficulties, but they weren't, they weren't really comparable. Um, if I knew other people from a younger age who experienced life in the same way as me, I would have felt less alone. And I feel like that's one of the things that you guys are trying to do, right? Yeah, that perfectly yeah. leads to the next question of, um, when you were younger, do you think it would have been helpful to have a place where you could look at other autistic people's stories and maybe resonate with them and know you aren't alone or, or I know, different or not normal, in quotation marks? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be cool. I, I mean, it'd be difficult to get that popular enough that people would be willing to engage in that in a meaningful manner. But um, I, I've heard about some something else um, about a month ago that I, there's this um, there's this South African guy who's uh, he's a he's a professional guy in business, whatever. But he he's got a, an autistic son who's got ADHD and dyslexia, whatever. Those kinds of kids are really difficult to educate on a primary school level. So what he's trying to do is he's been talking to educational psychologists and teachers from across the country, trying to put together a program where kids are taught differently. So, so attention spans are different for kids with these sorts of issues. So if you put them in smaller classes with much shorter lessons, so say like 30 minutes of hyper-focus followed by a 15 minute break and you repeat that, um, a, lot, a lot of times, like these kids can work way more efficiently than pretty much anyone else in a year because they don't feel the need to, I don't know, they, they can just focus harder, right? But like they get distracted a lot easier. So if you... Their classmates. Yeah. 
exactly. So if you if you isolate them or like you put them in a smaller class of like three to five kids, maybe seven, and then you exploit their abilities to to do that, and then you um, you give them the necessary rest, and like they they would be the education would be so so much better, and these kids wouldn't be left behind. That's the, that's the whole um, working on the education system, which is uh, quite a big job. Uh, to, yeah, to, um, that was one of the reasons for why we set up aboutism was to get this place where people can find these stories. And we've got um, some stories from our project manager, who's also autistic, which is also a big driving force why we did this. And we have some stories from, from some people um, that would talk to you autistic. And we've done a similar interview in question form of what that answer would be and everything. Um, so yeah, so setting up something like that and educating um, just schools and educating people in general is a really big reason and aim of our site and why we're doing this. So hopefully we can achieve that. So um, Why don't you tell me a bit more about that? Actually, I'd love to hear, it's like, why did you decide to do it in this way? How did it, how did it get set up? Or what, 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 how are you going, going about this? Okay, so, um, well, obviously we're on NCS and we, uh, as a group, decided that the education system and mental health and neurodivergency as a whole is really, really underlooked uh, personally in the education system. As, as I said, I was recently diagnosed with ADHD and it was very, very obvious from a very young age. I was sitting back in classes, playing with Ruby Skews, playing on like, just always fidgeting constantly. And, and my teachers never noticed it, never saw anything and they never, they never assumed my, my lapse in concentration and my inability to focus and do homework and do exams was to do with something other than me just being a bad student. And that is, that's quite demeaning um, when Usually. you think you're different the entire time and then you're constantly told that you're just bad at stuff, which is not a, not a fun uh, thing to constantly be reinforced into your head. So that was very eye-opening when I was diagnosed and it was extremely, I guess, empowering because it felt that I didn't need to blame everything on me just being bad at things. It was some things I'm bad at, but some things I'm bad at because I can't concentrate on it all because I have these lapses. Um, so yeah, so um, in response to your question, uh, we set this all up uh, because it's underlooked and we want to try and educate people. We want to try and, and especially with teens, um, I especially know with uh, my teenage friends in my year or lower years that I know who don't have autistic friends or aren't autistic or are autistic, don't know much about it or know some about it or know just the stereotype or the stigma surrounding it so getting those misconceptions just completely dispelled is a is a very big goal and trying to um just yeah educate and make aware and uh, make aware just people talking about it it's it's not it's not something that should hold people back and it's not something that should be looked down upon because it's essentially if i had blue eyes if I have blue eyes and people made fun of me for having blue eyes, why? It's, a per it's just a, a thing about me. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a defining characteristic. It's just a thing about me. Um, Anything you want to add Yeah, so it was, um, like, uh, I haven't been diagnosed or anything, but as you said, like, a lot of your teenage friends, and the same with me and my teenage friends, I didn't know a lot about autism and the whole um, neurodiversity um, just... Spectrum, yeah. spectrum and yeah I like I I wanted to learn more about it is something that 
uh, I thought, yeah, it's very important and a lot of people need to know more about it um, and to create like a, a website and a space where we can share interviews and stories would be just very, it'd be very easy to learn for um, like, like uh, teenagers and people in this generation. It, it, yeah, it, it'd be very helpful and useful, an easy way to learn. Um, and more on that, we actually, yesterday, we um, started the first our fundraising goal to get £500 to um, give uh, to a charity uh, to, for sensory lights and everything, for sensory immersion lights to help autistic children in it. And we started it and in 13 hours, we got almost the entire amount. We got £491 out of the 500. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so we went to uh, Stratford and we walked in Westfield and we gave flyers out and leaflets out to try and get people aware of it. And we got some donations from there and we got people just with the sign who just raised the awareness. And there was actually one uh, person we talked to who really resonated with me, what she said is, uh, we gave her the flyer and she couldn't give us any charity. And she said, uh, I can't give you any donations now because they have any change on me. However, the awareness is a big part of it. So at least I'm aware and I can share it with people. And I thought that's, that was what we we're trying to do. And I think that was, I'm so happy that, that she said that. And so happy she understood why we're here. Um, so yeah, that's a, basically just to educate, make aware and safe space for teens to look at. It's, um, it's really hard to go on to, first of all, um, the NHS can, it's extremely blocked from Corona. It's, it's so hard to get into everything because, um, mental health is so much bigger than people realize. And it's extremely, extremely hard to actually get into a free health system when it's all blocked up by the massive pandemic that's going on. So extremely hard to get that. So talking to people is a very, very um, minor thing that can be achieved and can be helpful to people who are struggling. So talking and realizing that it's not just you going through this is extremely, extremely helpful that I've, I've personally found. Um, so yeah, that was, that's one of the main and most of the main reasons why I was on this. Um, Last question. So uh, is there any advice that you'd give someone who's unsure if they have autism? And if so, what would it be? Hard one. Hmm. So I knew someone, I know someone who got diagnosed because of me. And when they got the diagnosis, when they when they heard about it, they, they they went on like a scout trip, or scout um, informational day about like uh, uh, educating kids and whatever. So he learned about autism through that and from talking to me, and he learned that um, about what it was. And was like, oh well, that feels strangely familiar. So he got diagnosed. So I mean, the the biggest thing is take the test whilst you're under eighteen because after eighteen it costs a lot. So do it early if you think you may relate to that. And if you do get diagnosed with it, chill out. Because a nice, nice way of thinking about the spectrum is it's like a fruit salad, right? Some, some salads have tomatoes and cucumbers and lettuce in. Other ones have like beetroot and nuts in. Like, but they're both still fruit salads, right? It doesn't mean that you're labeled as mad. It means that you have a set of traits that 
that, and that, that's it. It's just a, yeah. It's all this. You're just you. Yeah. So like, the way it works is like there are like eight. If you, there are like 20 identifying traits. So what really annoys me, if we go back to that one, is when, when I say, oh, so I, they say, so how does autism affect you? And I say like one or two things and like, oh yes, but I have that. Or like, that's really normal. Like, you're right, it is. But you add it together with another like seven, eight or higher number of autistic traits. And it becomes a, it's a difficulty in normal life or depending on the severity of those things. Um, yeah, so if you have like eight of the 20, then they'll characterize you as autistic. So when they say everyone's on the spectrum, it means you may have one, one to six of those traits in varying degrees, but it's not it's not the same. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so our project manager uh, actually wants to ask some questions to you. So if we yeah, absolutely. Um, hello, hey. Saul. Hi. Um, I'm JJ. I'm the project manager for Autism NCS. Um, I'm hey, nice to meet you. I'm also autistic. Nice to meet you too. Um, yeah, it's been really great, you know, hearing about you and um, what you did and what we have to say today. So, just first of all, just thank you, you know, so much for having the time to speak with us. It's been really insightful. Um, I can just sort of think of anything. Question to really think of really is. Um, so earlier when you talked about autism representation in media and it's something personal I'm very interested in and like I do watch, consume a lot of media, I like to watch a lot of movies, play a lot of games and um, I'm just thinking what would you like to see, in, it, well, it, uh, what would you like to see more of with regards to autism representation in uh, media? I mean I feel like it's something similar to like LGBT um, representation you don't want the entire story to be about that. You want it to be as a sort of like a side point. So like you have this great story and this character with their stuff and whatever. And also they have autism. Like don't make a big deal out of it. Have them three dimensional characters that sort of normalize this idea in society. It's like, I think it's like, Every one in 200, one, one in 400 people have autism or Asperger's syndrome. It means like, I, I know, um, I went to JFS and there were 300 kids in each year. It meant that in that school, there were like 10 kids with autism. And in, in reality, there were a lot more for whatever reason. But most people will know someone with autism or Asperger's. And it, like, it's not like, a strange community that you're never going to encounter. These are really relevant things in order to help to help understand our friends and family. Like, most people aren't, aren't that removed from it. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, again, just thank you so much um, for joining us thank today. You. That, was, that, was, again, was, that was also really insightful. Just um, again, just thanks so much. Um, it's just great to be able to talk to you. Um, just thank you. Likewise. I think this is absolutely amazing what you're doing. Yeah, so uh, as JJ said, thank you so much for your stories and, and insights for sharing them with us. Um, uh, thank you for also starting our podcast series, yeah. uh, which we hope to continue outside of NCS. 
um, and yeah, continue talking to people and gaining more insights into the fascinating world of autism. Uh, yeah, oh, sorry, I'd also like to say that this talking to you has made me want to research even more into it. Um, and why these misconceptions exist, how we can and also the social media, sorry, not social media, the entire media, this aspect and, uh, and entertainment issue of um, autism and the uh, stereotypes it has. Um, so yeah, if you want to ask any questions, go for it, if you have any more on your mind. Hmm, I don't think so. I, I will give you a couple of uh, interesting resources. Um, okay. The National Autistic Society are phenomenal, right? They create videos and they have testimonials as well, but their, their videos are really interesting because they, they try to simulate what it's like inside an autistic person's head. Okay. So for instance, you have like what sensory overload feels like. Um, it's, it's a lot like a panic attack, but like in reverse it's like it's kind of hard, hard like so they they show how every, every uh the focus changes from uh different things like from from a, a blender to like a ticking clock and how that grows in intensity i think that's really great for anyone interested to understand what it's like for for their friends and family who, who go through this um also do diamond aspie is a great cartoonist who is an Aspie, a guy with Asperger's, um, who creates really nice little comics, which like detail like little portions of experience. And I think it's very nice. Um, thank you very much for that. Um, so yeah, once again, I'd also like to reiterate, we are not trained professionals. And if you are wondering about autism, you can obviously go to the official NHS website, which we'll link down below. And if you want to, if anyone wants to contact us about coming onto our podcast or any concerns regarding our podcast, we are about gmail.com. So unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Uh, thank you again, Saul, um, and thank you for listening. Uh, we hope this has given you an insight into the life of a neurodivergent uh, or just intrigued enough to, to research more. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, on TikTok at AboutismNCS. And if you are interested, you can sign up to our website so we can contact you about things we are doing and how you can help. All right, then. Thank you. See you in the next one. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thanks so much.